0: He's Akili Nazuri. I'm Reggie Bailey. This is Books of Pop Culture. Akili, how you feeling?
1: Hey, what is this? I mean, good. I don't know what today is. I was about to ask you what today is. but You You know, know, it's it's a Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm doing good for a Tuesday. I'm surviving and thriving. You know, how are you feeling? I can't
0: complain, man. I can't complain. Today was, you know, relaxing enough, I, I suppose. So, i'm uh i'm grateful man i'm grateful Thank, thank you to the fellowship first and last time viewers first and last time listeners and everyone in between because you could be anywhere in the world but you are here with us we do not take that lightly so thank you truly um you know youtube spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts. those are one of myriad places where you can find books or pop culture right and on those places, you can do things that we like. You can subscribe. You can follow. You can like. You can comment. You can download, leave a review. And, of course, the best thing you could do is share with your friends, your family, your physical and digital communities that you are kicking it with Books of Pop Culture and you are enjoying yourself, right? And you may have noticed when I did my thank yous, I shout out the Fellowship first. And that's because the Fellowship is Books of Pop Culture's amazing Patreon community. It's one that Achille and I biasly and objectively believe to be the best in bookish communities. By choosing to support BAPC, you can support the most dynamic of duos in the bookish landscape. You'll receive access to bonus BAPC content each month, and you get us one step closer to doing Books Pop Culture for a living. You can do that by going to patreon.com books of pop culture. Kelly, we have a special guest today, tonight, or whenever you're listening, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. To now.
0: To now, yeah, good one. To now, right? Born and raised in New Orleans, right? Studied creative writing at Dartmouth College and Law at UC Berkeley. You know, her second novel, The Revisioners, won a 2020 Janet Heidinger Kafka Prize an NAACP image award for outstanding literary work and a George Garrett new writing award and was a California and Northern California book award finalist, a 2020 Hurston Wright foundation legacy award finalist and a Willie Morris award finalist for Southern writing. She was nominated for the 2020 Simpson slash Joyce Carol Oates prize and was a national bestseller as well as the New York Times Notable Book of the Year. Her debut novel, A Kind of Freedom, was long listed for the National Book Award and the Northern California Book Award and won the Crook's Corner Book Prize and was a recipient of the First Novelist Award from the Black Caucus of American Library Association. Our guest today is Margaret Wilkerson Sexton, and we will be talking to her about her third novel, on the rooftop after this quick break so margaret you know we we over here at books of pop culture we we not only read books but we we do our best to read about the book business as well right we have these you know monday episodes that we do you know we might you know, Google some stuff, talk about some stuff that people need to know. And we may have learned a thing or two in that in that, you know, time. And one thing that we've learned is, you know, getting getting chosen for a book club is a pretty, pretty decent deal. It's a pretty cool thing, right? And, you know, I just loved it when I saw on the rooftop was chosen for Reese's book club because that is one of the the bigger ones. So you yeah. know I'm curious like I guess set up the moment if you can, if 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 we're allowed to learn this, because I know like with uh with Oprah's stuff, it's like super secretive and stuff. It might be the same thing with Reason Now, but like, where were you? How did how did you feel? Like, what yeah. was the moment like when you learned? Like, okay, you know, I've been putting in this work, and and oh, we 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 gonna be on the big stage now. Like, how how uh, <laughs> how how was that? Like, what was the moment like for you?
2: Yeah, well, okay, so I'll back up a little bit. Um, in April of this year, my stepfather passed. And so my mom lives in Connecticut. We're from New Orleans, but she moved to Connecticut. And um, I went there to help her with the funeral. And it was just, um, I had lost my dad a few years back. And um, it was just, it was just terrible. It was sudden, it was un- you know unexpected and just truly tragic. He was a young guy. and um, And I say that to say like, a month later, I was back home in Oakland, and I was on the phone with my mom. and um, you know, helping my mom navigate the grief is also uh, is also, you know, emotionally affecting for for me, although he was my stepfather, not you know, not my own father who, with whom I was really close, it was still really affecting for me. And just being on the phone with her, I just remember it was just a really despondent tone while we were talking. And, um, I got an email, I can see my emails on my phone and I got an email and, um, it was from my, my editor, Sarah Birmingham. And she was like, do you have time to talk in the next 15 minutes? Which, you know, they don't usually say that. Usually the calls are scheduled if there are going to be calls. Um, and I, I just knew immediately that it was something like that. I didn't know what, but, um, I had a feeling that it would be something like that. And, you know, they had told me before, don't get your hopes up, but, you know, this is a, a, a standard book club book. I think that means that, um, like, for instance, the revisioners and A Kind of Freedom I wouldn't have said were book club books. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? More, yeah. they were a little bit um, heavier um, in terms of the content and a little bit more. Um, maybe even more salient with the themes and a little bit more like provocative with the themes um, and accusatory maybe (laughs) even of white america um and and they so they had told me they had kind of primed me for that they were like this is a book club book and so i just i didn't know which one it was nor did nor was i certain that that was what the news would be but i had a feeling it was going to be something good I said, I said to my mom, I'll call you back. And again, that tone of that call was really sad, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I called, I called Sarah or maybe she called me and she looped in the other editor who is Helen Atzma, and then my publicist, Sonia Chuse. And they said, Margaret, they didn't beat around the bush. They were like, Margaret, we have some really exciting news. Your book has been chosen um, by Reese's book club for their September pick. And I just started screaming. I just started screaming. I truly was just like my husband was downstairs. He heard me screaming. He said it took him a few minutes to realize that it was a positive scream. He didn't have to intervene or anything. But I was just like, I was just (laughs) overjoyed. And the reason I bring up the, the backstory is because you know how sometimes you need positive news. That's what it felt like. Like it felt like it was a real gift for me because in that moment, we, my whole family really did need that positive news. And um, yeah, and and, you know, one thing that my editor said, which reminds me of something you said, Reggie, um, she said she's because, you know, I was I was on this whole like, you know, I was crying and I was like, thank you guys so much, because I do think they edited the hell out of that book. And I do think they um, they positioned it to 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 do what it has done. And um, so I was thanking them really profusely and they said, no, Margaret, thank you for writing this book. And they said, you've been at this a long time. And they said um, something like you've earned this. You've been at this a long time, something like that. And um, and you said something like that, Reggie, when you found out. And I feel like a lot of people were saying that. And that was interesting to me because I wouldn't have necessarily said that about myself. But Mm -hmm. it was good to hear that, like. You know, that's true. I have been at it a long time. And I think it's been, and I think it will be. I don't think this is, I don't think this is it. I think it's going to always be like a slow climb for me. Not even slow, but a long climb. Because I want to be yeah. in this business for a long time. I have many, many, many more books to write. And um, I think slow and steady is is a very measured pace to at, at which to work. And um, I think of my career as a marathon. And so I think this is a nice little... This is one of my peaks, but it's you know there's still way 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 more to go, and it's and and so you know it was nice to hear that like to hear like you know you've put in the work, this was a nice boost, and I'm going to continue to put in the work.
0: So so first off, uh, rest in peace and power to stepdad and dad. Thank you. Right. Thank Um, you. And you know it, it it's it's true, right? Like you know I've I've been a huge fan of your work since *A kind of freedom. I just, that was one of like the rare times I read a book and I was just like stunned. Right. Wow. Just I just ran like straight to Instagram at the time. And I was like, I can't believe I just read this. This is amazing. Ooh. This is wow. incredible. You know, yeah. you just all the whole nine. Right.
2: Thank you. Um,
0: and because like, like I said, we we're learning about like just what the business of books is. Mm-hmm. I knew like what that meant. And it's just good to see, in, in in my opinion, you know, the right people, you know, winning. Or at least what Thank appears you. to be, I'll, I'll say it that way, what appears to at least be a win, right? Yeah. So, yeah. You know.
2: Thank you. Thank you. And it was. I think, you know, I, I think it'll open the doors for more readers. And that's what I always want, is more readers. I try to think about it like that, and because that's the only thing I can really... I can't really control that even, but that feels better to me than, than trying to control for sales, which I have absolutely no control over. Right. So, um, I just try to think of, I want more readers and I want the right readers. And I just think, um, you know, this gives me a few more readers than I had. And I, and, and so it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's right on track with what I'm trying to do, which is build, slowly build and long-term build.
1: My question, my first free throw question is really easy. It's just, how are you doing genuinely?
2: Uh, And when we (laughs) ask that, we
1: mean genuinely if you have trapped gas, if, Uh um, you know, yeah. Like, how are you doing genuinely? Let let us know.
2: Yeah, I'm good. I mean, I feel really good to be here. Um, I'm in a season where it's extremely busy. So mm-hmm. I do feel tired. You know, it's an extremely busy season. It's not. It's not just. I don't know if you know that I have three small children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. And um, and it's really a lot of it is really them more than the book stuff. The book stuff is more manageable because I'm mm-hmm. not even writing right now. I'm just doing the marketing stuff. Um, but it's the kids, and and then I'm I'm teaching as well. I do feel a little bit um, tired, but talking to you all is invigorating. So. Nah. And I have my green tea. I'm I'm actually in a really good place. Righteous,
1: righteous. Uh, yeah. that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. that that's uh, that. Yeah, those are some seasons when you got some little kids.
2: Yeah.
1: Yes. I have to report back to y'all on on that once
0: my time comes. So, uh-huh. yeah, you know, yeah, um, right? yeah. when when when. So I do have two cats, though so they're not not competitive mm. with to children. Oh. But, but when they. When they were younger, you know, it was a little, you know, it was it was mm-hmm. a little more managing. Got a than little, what it is uh-huh. now, you uh-huh. know, got a little, little so, so frisky, got, huh? So I got like <laughs> uh, a, a hundredth or a thousandth of y'all experience, right? Because oh, I know, okay. you know, I know managing an actual human is going to be like something mm-hmm. I've never prepared for, even though it's something I hope to do one day. That's so, right. That's
2: right. right. That's right. And Akilah, I'm you like have like you it. have kids.
1: Yeah, I have one son. Uh how you old know, is he? he? he's a chip off the old block. He's eleven. Yeah.
2: Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I look forward to that. We'll see
1: how that <laughs> Oh <goes>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they definitely get <laughs> a little bit more my... manageable as they grow. So yeah, he's uh see super busy, you know, basketball, black club, stem, wow. all that good stuff. So it's cool to see. Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome.
1: So ah, uh, the, the,
0: the good question here, I love this one. So um, we, we talked about ready, it briefly yeah. just with the, with the introduction and just breaking the ice, right? But what is the most important lesson you've learned about the business of writing, right? And, and I'll even kind of just throw some stuff in there that I, that I think of when I think of Margaret and Sexton, at mm-hmm. least from my thousand mile view or whatever, right? Um, I think of the fact that you come from your first two novels were on Counterpoint. Now you're yeah. with Echo, right? You know, yeah. so, so you go, you work, you know, you, you end up on the big five now, right? Um, and, and of course, we mentioned the book club piece, right? So maybe just certain, I guess, opportunities or certain connections exist, I guess, in this world that possibly didn't exist in the same, to the same degree prior right and i also think of the fact this is your third novel and Mm -hmm. you know for the most part you're putting out a book every two two and a half years right so um i'll ask again right after having said all that what is the most important lesson you've learned about the business of writing or what are some of the most important lessons you've learned about the business of writing
2: yeah that's a great question um well Honestly, and I work, I'm still working on this. I don't, I wouldn't say I've learned the lesson. Like I'm like, you know, I'm, I think I'm getting like a B plus in the class, maybe a B. Um, I think I'm, I'm always trying to separate my work from the reception of my work. And I think that's, that's the, if once I internalize that, and I believe I will, I think that'll really, set me up to be, to just have a happier existence as an author. I have a wonderful existence as a writer. I, I really like, um, I really just am so enriched by sitting down and creating the characters and creating the stories and doing the research. I love all of that. Um, I think, I think sometimes the struggles are that come up, come up, um, Because I'm comparing myself to other authors or expecting a lot of, a lot of expecting a lot of things or hoping for a lot of things that, again, I don't have control over. Um, uh, Feeling, feeling like I'm not getting as much attention as, you know, that kind of stuff. I I think the, the biggest lesson that, that I want to internalize in this business is is to just focus on what I have control over and to just focus on what I feel I was called to do, which is to create these worlds for, for whichever, for, you know, whatever readers there are out there who are intended to read this work. And, and really just trying to stay out of the, to the extent that I can, trying to, I, I think it's funny you said the, the biggest lesson about the business of writing is really for me probably to stay out of the business of writing to the extent that I can. Hmm. And to just focus on the, the craft of writing. That's what I'm trying to do. Um, every time I I get caught up in and I do it every time I have a book come out, you know, I'm, I'm very ambitious. So I always have these goals and these dreams and I almost set myself up for disappointment every single time because I, I'm I'm a lot like Vivian because Vivian is loosely based on my mom. And you know I'm never satisfied. My ambitions are so wild. And And so I really have to work on just, um, you know, just just remembering why I'm doing what I'm doing, um, where this gift is coming from, what the purpose is for this gift and just, you know, and just leaving it there and and kind of staying out of the rest of it. That's what I'm trying to work on.
0: Yeah. And and I just it's so interesting. Right. Because even like I even just use books of pop culture. Right like yeah i I want everybody who exists on the planet to listen to this right absolutely you know but it's like ultimately the thing that does sustain this is the fact that and 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 Achilles, you know if you want to add on to this feel free right but just being in love with the process right being in love with the process is just so important just being in love with the reading of the books, the reading of the articles, the essays, whatever the case may be, right? Just right. stay loving that because ultimately if you do, you know, you won't feel like, you won't think so much about the time investment.
2: You won't exactly. think so much
0: about, oh, I could be doing this, I could be doing that. You know, because, um, because you know, ultimately this is, the process is fulfilling, right? And, yeah. and from what you described just talking about like how I guess your relationship to writing yeah. right, as opposed to, to your relationship with with authoring, at least at the moment, you talked yeah. about being in a good place with the writing, which when I hear yeah. that, I hear, oh, I'm in love with the process. That's
2: oh, yeah, I really am. About. I really am. And like like the next I was telling one of my students, like I think the next two months, I'm not sure how long it'll go, but it seems like maybe another month um, or two. I know that i'm not going to be able to write as much if at all for at least a month and um and you know that does pain me because i'm ready to start again and it it feels like meditation or something for me it really feeds me and um Yeah. yeah so it's just um i'm i'm grateful for the for the capacity and the ability to share what i think about the work and to do these kinds of events of course um and also, you know, I it's not it's not the part that feeds me.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I I was just literally while I was listening to you talk um, before Reggie kind of got in there too, just thinking, man, this is the coolest job on earth. I get to talk to people who uh, I had just posted this one of my favorite funny sayings. Everybody sounds smart until the real smart people show up. Um, and
2: uh, oh.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about, I never you know,
2: heard that. I love that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's me. That's me. You know, but, uh, <laughs> but it works even uh, against me. Right. Cause every time I do this show, I get to talk to someone who is probably a little bit smarter than me and I get to take in that information. Um, you know, especially as like an aspiring writer and just an aspiring creator in general. And so just thinking about the importance of being in love with the process, um, it, it's just great, you know. Like we chose something that only adds to us, I mean,
2: we're, right? We're I only,
1: <laughs> yeah, we're only getting better, both as as literary citizens and just as human beings. And so, exactly, everything yeah. else is just icing on the cake.
2: That's such a. I never heard it like that. I, I love that the way you said right. that. It's so true. And like most people, well, I don't know if it's most, but many people don't have that whatever yeah. that gift is, you know, they don't have the knowledge that they have that gift. And yeah. I remember when I was in a rut before I got published, because, you know, I was writing for five years before I got published and um, and I was and I was doing it, treating it like a job. And um, I remember I finally got to a point where I was like, you know what, if I never get published, that's OK, because. I really enjoy this. And that's how lucky am I that I get to have this thing that I can go and sit down and I feel like I've truly left the building. Like I've left the world mm-hmm. and I'm yep. in my own space that I've designed. And, um, and that's when I got published.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, that's, that's, that's just awesome. I think about that. I have some questions built about how like Chloe feels when she's singing. Uh, and, oh yeah. Yeah, Like that, that is important. Um, and so like you said, you know, like, there's this part in there where Chloe is like, But this is for me, this is my thing. Yeah, you know, they yeah. don't even get to touch this. This is my thing. Uh, yeah. and that's kind of how it feels, a little bit. Yeah,
2: right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, huh, and the other girls don't really have that relationship with it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so yeah, mm-hmm. and it, so it kind of makes sense wh- why things worked out the way they did can
1: you provide your synopsis or elevator pitch
2: of what on the
1: rooftop is about and let us know the inspiration behind
2: it? Yeah. Well, you know, it was inspired by Fiddler on the roof.
1: Okay. And,
2: um, I was obsessed with that play as a child. We saw it as the VHS in my living room. Um, we Mm -hmm. didn't see the play until I was much older, but, um, my mom played it every weekend and we knew all the songs, we knew all the lines and in, um, in like 2007, I think my mom was like, you know, you should rewrite, you should, you should write a book based on Fiddler on the Roof from a black woman's perspective. And she was like, you know, the black woman would have five daughters, Tevia had five daughters and Fiddler on the Roof. And my mom, my mom was more literal with it. So she was like, you know, each daughter will want to marry a different guy. One daughter will want to marry, um, one daughter will want to marry a white guy. It was like that kind of thing, you know. Oh, mm-hmm. I remember. She was like, one one daughter is gonna want to marry a guy from you know the other side of town, and one daughter is gonna want to marry um, a white guy, and one daughter is gonna want to marry a woman. It was like all you know all the different um, ways that the daughters would would go against their mother's dream, and um, and she was like, you would set it in New Orleans, and you know, in Fiddler on the Roof, they're displaced by the Russian Tsar. In, um, in, I think, 1905. Mm-hmm. And, and this little community in Anatevka, um, this little Jewish community. And um, so I was, my mom and I were trying to think of parallel displacements. And she was like, for your story, it would be Hurricane Katrina. And mm-hmm. the final scene would be the mother and her daughters on the rooftops of their homes holding signs saying, help me. You know, the images we saw during the storm. Yeah. And I thought that was a brilliant idea. I really did, and I kind of intended. I think I. I think you know that was many years ago that she told me that it was right after Katrina. So I think all these years I've been like intending to do that um, mm-hmm. exactly the way she said it, more or less. And then when it came time to do it, um, after the revisioners, I was like, "Well, I really don't want to write about Katrina right now." And I feel like I've written about Katrina in a kind of freedom. And, you know, the yellow house had come out. And of Mm -hmm. course we have like salvaged the bones. And I just felt like, "Mm, I don't, I I didn't think, you know, I wasn't there for Katrina. I was, I was living abroad at that time. And my house was relatively unaffected by the storm. We, we, you know, we had a roof replacement, but that was it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, nobody in my immediate family had to relocate. Everybody in the city had to leave for a couple of months, but nobody really had to relocate in my immediate family. Now I have like cousins and, and et cetera who did, but like none of my aunts or anything. So it just felt like, I, I don't know. I almost felt like I was capitalizing on an issue that hadn't affected me quite enough to really go there as deeply with that material. Yeah. And um And so I was trying to think of another way, another displacement that I could draw on. And um, I started doing research and I learned about the urban renewal program that affected, I mean, it was really present all over the country, but the the specific situation I learned about was in the Fillmore district of San Francisco, um, where thousands of blacks were displaced from their homes in the fifties and the sixties. I had no idea about that. I had no idea that at that time, you know, San Francisco, the Fillmore district specifically was called the Harlem of the West. Um, I had no idea about the jazz scene in that neighborhood being so prevalent. And so once I started reading about this, I was like, oh, my God, this is perfect because the jazz will allow me to draw on the musical component of Fiddler on the Roof. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I love historical fiction, so I I hadn't done the 50s yet. So I was like, this is great. I'll learn about the 50s. Um, and it felt like a way I, I was at that time. I wrote it during the pandemic. And um, at that time, you know, it was a pretty depressing time for everybody. And I felt like I want this book to be a little bit more joyful than my other two.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And this felt like an opportunity to focus a little bit more on the liveliness of the community, um, the the tight knit nature of the community, you know, the culture they carried from Louisiana. Um, and of course, there's in the background, there's this hovering threat of gentrification, which is there and certainly present. Um, and certainly uh, tragic, but you know, it's sort of on the periphery in the way the novel is structured. It's it's not, it doesn't overtake the joy of that community. And in that way, I thought I could really showcase their resilience and their endurance. And um, yeah, and so I settled on that. And and this story is the story of Vivian, who um, who has moved from Louisiana mm-hmm. to escape racial oppression in the Jim Crow South. And she, she arrives in San Francisco, and shortly after she arrives, her husband passes, leaving her with three little girls, and she is just flailing, you know, looking for something sturdy to hold on to, and she she eventually pours all of her fears and all of her, her pain into her dreams of stardom for these three daughters, um, the salvations. And um, one by one, these girls decide they want to do it a little bit differently than Vivian has imagined. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Synopsis. There's so much in there, but I know I, we we'll, we'll both get into it, but there was a lot in there. It's a lot of good stuff. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Back, yeah. back to you, Reggie. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, my,
0: my first bookish question is typically about the epigraph, right? And you chose to actually use Psalms, 137 versus one through four as your epigraph. Uh, can you talk about um, why that spoke to you and ultimately ended up being the epigraph four on the rooftop? Yeah,
2: I want to find it. I'm like, looking for my book actually do you have it in front of you
0: uh yeah i do if you want <laughs> you I'll mind read it. reading
2: it i know it's sure. like how can we sing uh, in a strange land I, I think
0: this is the first time i've ever been asked to do a reading you know
1: reading, I, Reggie. It
2: room, so I would have to get up <laughs> yes. which is crazy because i have all these other books right next to
0: me what's funny uh, about this is Achilles has this Secret agenda, this hidden agenda that's not so secret or uh-huh. hidden, mm-hmm. where he wants me to also write a book like he's doing. And this is oh, kind of like I love this, like speaking to his mm-hmm. agenda. I think uh-huh. I'm
1: doing a reading, so that's
2: oh, right. Who knows?
1: <laughs> you gotta do like Robert Jones Jr., you gotta get that deep, you gotta give me something. Yeah, I haven't heard there.
2: him read, I would love to hear that.
0: Oh man, yeah, yeah no, it is. Uh, it's an event,
2: wow. You know,
0: by the rivers of Babylon, there we sit down. Yeah, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there, for there they that carried us away captive required of us a song, and they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song? In a strange land.
2: Yeah. All I right, Pastor that. Thomas. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> no, hey, look, Pastor. Never mind. You know what?
0: <laughs> I'm supposed to be having- yeah. yeah.
2: No, I love that. I I think I was in the process of writing the book. I must have been when you know I read the Bible, so I I was just I was just reading the Bible and I came across that and I was like, oh my god, this is perfect. For, really perfect for fiddle on the roof, and um, and and even for what I was trying to do because I think um, it just hits on the loss of of that community. You know, when you go to the Fillmore now, none of that stuff is there anymore, and mm. um, yeah, and and everybody's you know elsewhere, and and the bodies are elsewhere. The, the restaurants don't exist. The clubs don't exist. And um, the, everything, like all the the vibrancy that made up that community, you know, where has that gone? You know, it's like all the energy of it. Where has that gone? So that's what this reminds me of. This quotation: "It's like, it's like when when they when they remove the people from their homes, it's not just the bodies. It's also there's a piece of your spirit that you, that's chipped away every time you get displaced. And it's like, is your song going to linger?" In a strange yeah. land, you know, are what is are you what what happens to that, to that internal part of you when you can no longer rely on that sense of community and on that safety net? You know, are you still gonna be able to sing a song, your song?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's uh like a double, maybe even a triple entendre because that's what's going on with David when he's writing psalms. He's like
2: yes. wondering
1: and he's like, you know, woe is me type thing. And- yes and then then there's the the musical element especially those later psalms too um yeah perfect perfect yeah
0: i'm i'm not going to lie and
1: and you know just because i got to be transparent i can't be up here faking
0: like you you know i'm i'm not the most religious of people in the world but i'm no, not going to no i'm lie, not just...
2: either i mean i'm spirit i you know i, I yeah. use the bible as a tool but like i'm not i'm not i don't follow any traditional religion
0: mm-hmm. you no know? yeah. and and what i was going to say is like just because like authors like tend to find like so many uh quotables, if you will, from like the Bible, the Quran or whatever. I'm like, I gotta read the Bible just out of like literary sake at this point. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like no yeah. lie, because like there's just there's so much there. Like I
1: know. yeah, you know,
0: like even just from like like a book. I'm, I'm just gonna have to like like now I always have rotation of have many books, right? It's like, yeah. okay, oh, one of the books I'm reading right now is the Bible.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, let me know if you do that because I really want to. At some point in my life, I really want to read the whole Bible, and I have not been able to make time to do that, or make the energy to do that, or whatever.
1: Done it twice. No, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah.
2: that is outstanding.
1: Yeah, you, only do because my mom love the,
2: the process. Only I'm because sorry? my
1: mom. So the first time I did it, I was super. I was super young because my mom kept talking about how cool Uncle Percy was.
2: Uh-huh. Um,
1: and so I was like, because, and he read it. I was like, I'm smarter than Uncle Percy. I can read it. And so I did uh-huh. it then. Um, the second time, uh-huh. it's, it just felt long. The okay. second time, it felt mm. long and arduous. Um, yeah. But, you know, as a as like, a am a Freemason as well, right? So that's wow. kind of what spurred me to want to do the second one. Um, and so when you were kind of learning a little bit more about, like, like you said, like how David, you know, is... It's kind of wondering, and you know, he's like, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell again in unity, right? And you yes. kind of get to see these characters the same way, like Reggie said, huh. like as literary characters, because that's how I mean, that's, that is the easier way to get through it, as opposed to uh, Proverbs is the instructions for my life,
2: right? Right, no, right. You know,
1: I'm yeah. like, no, re- this is yes. a man who was supposed to be wise, and so on and so on and so wow. forth so yeah i need to do it again because it's been a while like that's been 2007 2008
2: that's um, amazing how long did it take the
1: 2007 2008 i would say six months about six months
2: i can't when believe I, it was you know, that short that's amazing
1: when i was younger i did it every sunday that my mom dragged me to church i was yeah. like i'm not paying attention to them i'm gonna read the bible while i'm here and i was kind of go through it every sunday
2: whoa and,
1: and like okay so I, I know this is about on the rooftop well the Bible, you
0: know, <laughs> a part. religion puts part here so this is safe but um, like do do y'all so like because i know both of y'all like you've read it twice right and then you know mark i know you you say you read it you know yeah. working mm-hmm. your way through it like are y'all do y'all read it in order like what y'all like approach
1: i've read it in order the first time the second time i jumped around based on like like oh. i said what i was doing with freemasonry so i right. jumped around um i think the jumping around is actually better okay um because the beginning is boring as hell yeah uh it's gonna get you that's yeah usually that's what it in is. That, beginning. Mm-hmm.
2: that is so yeah. true i think that's why i haven't been able to do it because i get mm-hmm. stuck in genesis
1: hmm yeah the yeah. beginning is gonna that's- have you like i'm straight
2: <laughs> yeah that's, that's such a good point and I can read the New Testament like nothing like it mm-hmm, reads to me mm-hmm. like a novel yeah. but the New Testament but I get stuck if I try maybe I'll do it just out of order okay I like that mm-hmm. and then maybe I mean what version did you do King James or
1: yeah 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 I okay King so James. Then, mm-hmm.
2: Okay, I was thinking maybe I should do like just to get through it maybe like NLT or something
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah. And do, yeah maybe sprinkle a little audio in there too that's um, smart Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah.
2: Okay. Wow.
1: Life, life hacks, man. I love this. Yeah. yeah I've, I've read that in the Gita. I tried the Quran, but I can never. I haven't been able to get into the Quran. Um, probably because, you know, the similarities is like I feel. You know, how when you felt like you've already kind of read something. Yeah. And you keep kind of bagging back out. But yeah, that the Gita sense. is beautiful. If y'all get a chance to read the book, but Gita. That's okay.
2: Beautiful. Yeah. I believe it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing.
1: Yes. If you understood me, mama, you'd see I was trying to explain it in blues without words. Uh the explanation, the explanation somewhere behind the words to explain what will always be there. Now that's Gail Jones. That's Karigadora's yeah. Gail Jones.
2: Wow.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I no, I didn't recognize book, it. You did yeah, until yeah. you
2: said it. Yeah.
1: hmm hmm And so wow. while reading your book. Another thing that I thought about uh, consistently was how much your character's uh, spiritual relationship with song and singing reminded me of Ursa's relationship to it and her mother as well. In your story, your characters have similar spiritual relationships with the music they sing, and this ritualized dialogue, as Gail Jones calls it, illuminates the space in the writing where the language isn't the same uh, or the movement between the people talking isn't the same. This wow. process takes the language and intensifies it so that dialogue is taken out of its naturalistic realm. When huh. your characters discuss their emotions while singing, what explanation do you think is hiding behind their words?
2: Wow, that is so deep. Um,
1: Question God. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it's funny. Like, so when I first wrote the book, it was like 80 90% from Vivian's perspective. And the girls had these brief interludes and it was only one time each that you saw them. And they would come in for they kind of came in as as uh, as ways to develop the plot. Like Esther mm-hmm. would come in if there were, if I wanted to focus on the political issues at the time. Um you know that kind of thing. Um Ruth would have come in around her wedding because I needed to have that champagne supper club be affected, you know, that kind of thing. But I didn't really give them as much texture. And it was my editor's idea to give them way more space in the book. And I think I think giving them that space really allowed me to to see what it was behind the explanations they were giving. Like, like for instance, um, I don't want to give anything away, but like Ruth, when I first wrote the book, I took Ruth at her word that she didn't want to do it and that it was a good reason. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I thought, yeah, she she wants, you know, she she wants to get married and it wasn't until, and she needs that family because she never had it. And I took her at her word, but it wasn't until I spent more time with her that I realized like, there's a possibility that that's not really how she's going to feel. It was later, you know, I mm-hmm. it was like I, I, I was able to, to insert more wisdom into yeah. my reading of her because I mm-hmm. had spent more time with her. So it I, you know, I think I wonder now with that with with more time with her, I wonder if it was more of her needing to resist, just finally resist her mother, finally, after, you know, after never being able to do it. And maybe it had nothing to do with maybe the reason she thought she was leaving had nothing to do with the reason she was actually leaving, you know, that kind Mm. of thing. Or like, um, you know, how much of Esther's desire to be to be better than her older sister and to be like the star of the group, you know, how much of of that is a reaction to her trauma and, and her sister not being there for her, you know, like although she's going to say it's, you know, it's a pure desire, you know, we learn, we learn more about her later. And again, I didn't yeah. see, I didn't really, when I, I didn't know that until I spent more time with Esther, I didn't know that she was going to want it. I was going to, I was going to initially have her just like Ruth, like not wanting it um, for a different reason, but also not wanting it. And then um, I thought, you know, what if she wants it, but she's just not good at it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So um So I think, I think just spending a little bit more time with them revealed a little bit more beneath the surface and, um, and with Chloe, what ends up happening with her, which I won't give anything away, but what ends up happening with her was a true surprise to me until maybe like the fifth or sixth draft, no joke. Like I was pretty close to being done with the book before I realized what would ultimately happen. I just didn't see that coming. I just yeah. again took her at her word. All her insecurity, I, I I sort of was with with her on that. I was like, yeah, maybe she doesn't have it, you know. Yeah. I really yeah. believe that. And then when yeah. I just delved a little bit deeper in there, I could see more.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that because that's kind of music. Music and the, cons- the consumption of music is is partially isolated in that way where you. You know how they say you got to listen to a song multiple times to get what's really kind of going down. Um, Oh
2: yeah,
1: you know, and I and so when I'm thinking about like you said, like this, like this explanation behind these words,
0: we might as well be in Texas or Louisiana for that matter. Y'all might as well stay right where you were because I'm afraid the improvement they promised you here is an illusion and it costs you a trip. Horace says this during a dinner scene that takes place early in the work, only to be corrected. By a wise Vivian who lets him know that the things that she has seen firsthand in the South, right, um, mm-hmm. are things that she is not seeing in San Francisco, right. Thus, though, thus showcasing him to be an educated fool, right. Can you speak to us about the work you do and on the rooftop to showcase the Great Migration, right? Its promises, and as Langston Hughes might say, its deferred dreams. How ultimately those deferred dreams were safer than the very real reality that existed in the South.
2: Right. And that's the perfect way to say it. Like, that's basically Mm -hmm. my my response. It's like I I love the conversation between them, because between Horace and Vivian in that scene, because they're both right. You know, Yeah. yeah, like he's right. They 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 did come with all of this promise. A relative reprieve from racism, and they got there, and it wasn't quite everything they hoped it would be. And yet it was significantly better. You know, Vivian's father was lynched in front of her, so she that's not gonna happen in, you know, in, in the 50s where she is. So um it's interesting because they're both right in that scene. And um, yeah, my my dad used to he used to tell my grandmother he was born in 1945 in Louisiana and um he used to tell my grandmother that he wanted to be a lawyer and um my grandmother would say boy you is an educated fool you hmm. she, he hadn't even gone to he hadn't even gone to college yet you know he was just in high school but you know that was educated and um she was like you need to you know the most you could do is be a teacher which is of course actually um, an amazing profession and very noble but She didn't know any black lawyers. She only knew black teachers. And even in that conversation, my dad did go on to be a lawyer, but the thing is they were both right. Like Mm -hmm. she, she was right too. He, he happened to be exceptional in that way. And he happened to be able to make that happen. But that was at that time, that was considered foolish and it would have been more reasonable to, and, and more, um, yeah, it would have been more reasonable to, to be a teacher, which they knew they knew black teachers. And so, yeah, it's interesting in that situation that um it, it's almost it's almost sad to me that they're both right. Like I want mm. one of them to be right and the other one to be wrong. Like especially especially wouldn't it be nice if if Vivian was right?
0: Yeah. And, and you know, I I love that explanation because something that we're just big on here at BAPC is we always say we're not invested in being right, you know, but yeah. we are invested in having the conversation. And it's yeah. like putting putting the truth out there and putting honesty out there more than anything, because, you know, some sometimes what happens is right in, in, in this scene, like you said, they're both right. But in some instances, you know, we're, we're wrong, you know, yeah. and, and it's important to lean into your right to be wrong so you can learn from that and That's get true. closer to being right. You know, and, and it's it's interesting that it's kind of the opposite in this scene where no one's really wrong or incorrect. They're both right. And you just got to like interpret that.
2: Right. And I think she goes on to say like, you know, I like, I I don't remember how she says it, but something like, you know, I like your heart and, and, and I like your, I like your vision. We need more of that. But, you know, I, so I love that she can recognize that that's going to bring about the change that they need, you know, his ability to see that it's not quite what it should have been, but she's like, but I have to tell you, I've seen it be way worse, you know?
0: 100%.
1: Once I got going into your book, um, all I wanted to know was like, what was influencing some of the choices that you made? And we talked a little bit about connective tissue earlier, but uh, in in terms of dynamics uh, and and the lenses through which you want to tell your story. And early in the story, you set the stage with this quote, four years stood between the oldest 24 and the youngest 20 yet they all began menstruating the same day. It was why they were a perfect trio on stage too. Why men and women shot their heads back, let their mouths hang. Why the applause roared in like a freight train. Why people didn't want to let them go. Um, As the reader kind (laughs) of continues through the text, they realize one of the more important threads, which is that of connection. When you wrote, particular part, what were you trying what were you trying to convey in terms of the difference between the ways in which the sisters were connected and the connection between them and their mother? because I think there's two yeah. separate connections going on um, that that are that are just very interesting.
2: right. and that was another thing that um, that's a great question. That was another thing that um, that came up when I edited the book and gave the sisters more time with with mm-hmm. their voices. Um, <clears throat> because without them being able to come in and out the way they are, we weren't able to really see how they felt about each other. Mm-hmm. So we just had to accept what Vivian said about them. Oh, you know, they're so close and, you know, they do everything together and, you know, everything is, is, um, is in sync. And, and then we go deeper into the storyline and we realize like, you know, Esther hasn't talked to, to Ruth in a real way in years. And um, and, you know, there's a reason for that and a complicated reason in their past. And um, and, you know, Ruth is is basically second mother to Chloe, but Esther resents that and also yearns for it. You know, so you Mm -hmm. see more of the um, of the nuance in in the in the connection between them. And yet, having said that. We see, especially when they're getting ready together, when they're when they're dressing Um, any scene where they're together, even when they're on stage, you see how they instinctively like take up for each other. If, if one, if one drops, um, the pitch, the other one comes in with it right on, you know, right, Mm -hmm. uh, right, you know, precisely. And, um, and then when they're getting dressed, even they're bickering, it's, it's so indicative of their bond. Um, so yeah, I think, I think, you know, they're, they're typical sisters, um, and, and yet a little bit distinct because they're also like vying for their mother's approval together. So there's a little bit, there's like more, mm-hmm. it's more, you know, ripe for a lot of um, jealousy and competition and, um, and 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 all of that and things of that nature. And they also are kind of run like a business, you know, so it, it's just not as much capacity for love and and, you know, you don't get the impression these people are sitting together watching TV every night because they're on the rooftop dancing. And so, um, you know, you see this, you feel this connection, I think, especially between some of the sisters, especially between Ruth and Chloe, for instance, or even Chloe and Esther. You feel that connection, but you also can feel the um, the tears in it because of the kind of lifestyle mm-hmm. they've had um, through their mother. And... Um, Yeah. And, 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 and they all have different relationships with the mother as well. You know, Ruth and Chloe are certainly closer to her than Esther, but, but I love that scene where, where, uh, Ruth says to Esther that, you know, um, you're the one most like her and you're the one Mm -hmm. that has the most impact on her. You know, I thought that was, that's so true, right? That's usually the case. And with, with with the ones we don't get along with, you know, they're they're usually reminding us of ourselves in some way. And, um, Yeah, so it's it. You know, I always say like I didn't have a traditional family growing up. I was an only child. My parents were divorced, and so I really like creating these, um, these intricate family situations because it kind of makes me feel like I'm I'm like reliving my own childhood, and and this time I'm you know on the set of the Cosby Show or something, but um, (laughs) yeah, well, pre what we learned about Mr. Cosby, but um, Mm -hmm. but. Um, you know, it feels like it. Even though they're missing their dad, and in and on the rooftop, even though they're missing their dad, and and there's there's a great deal of tension. They really are. They love each other, and you can really feel that. It's palpable.
0: Could you just speak to us about like, I guess, intentions and ambition, right? And yeah. and how you feel. I guess they ultimately play out when when it comes to Vivian, right? Because you know, she she has great intentions like hey look y'all are gonna be mega stars
2: right y'all are
0: gonna y'all are gonna go everywhere y'all gonna go on tour i'm gonna put you with this dude you know he does great stuff like like he'll take you to the top right and And, you know ultimately like you know if you see this from you know a mile away you're like yeah of course you know if you're a kid you just sign up for that right right but ultimately right it's i read that as i guess vivian Trying to, you know, this is Vivian trying to, I guess, in her own way, relive her childhood, relive mm-hmm. everything that she, you know, didn't get to, to do when she was coming up. Right? right. Can you Can you talk to us, I guess, about how, you know, despite, I guess, good intentions that Vivian had, how can, I guess, a parent's ambition or can you speak to how On the Rooftop speaks to parents ambitions being placed on their kids how that can be I guess more harmful than good mm. some
2: that yeah that's a really good question um I know and and I remember the first draft I did where Ruth was you know where Ruth wasn't really her perspective wasn't challenged and you know um she left and and she didn't feel any kind of way about it she just left and was happy she left Um, I had one reader read it, an early reader, and she said, um, that's just so painful to me because her mother put in so much work because we didn't have all of Ruth's reasoning. We didn't have enough pages to really see where it was coming from. And we didn't have what would come later for her. Um, The the reader reacted that way. And I think that's interesting, like, because I do think from a mile away, it looks like it's it's a good prospect for you in the 50s, Black women in the 50s. How many opportunities did you have for success in that way? And you've gotten so close and your mother was extraordinarily, you know, adept at facilitating that for you. Like, like, what are you complaining about? But, um, but I think it's interesting. I think it's like you said, Reggie, it's, um, you know, there's that scene where she's watching those women perform in the, in the, and she's watching from the kitchen where her mother was working as a housekeeper. And um, and they told her, you know, that that she couldn't as a black girl, she couldn't be watching. She needed to be working. Um, I almost think like with Vivian, it really has nothing to do with the stardom or the success or the singing even. I mean, I think to some extent that I think I think as a little girl, she saw those women singing and that represented a, a type of freedom for her. And so she associates those two things. Um, but I don't think it's actually about the singing. I think it's about yeah. she she was looking for that that freedom, you know, coming to San Francisco. She was looking for that freedom after seeing her father murdered by a Klansman. And she didn't get it. You know, she got yeah. there and she was still she was still a black woman. There's this line where it's like she realized that um she realized that the the whites in San Francisco were watching the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're watching the same menstrual mm-hmm. uh, shows as the ones in in the south. She was still a black woman and she was still going to be treated the way they treated black women. And it's like I think in her mind if she can just if these girls can just achieve this level of stardom, it can it can almost make it as if they're not they're not going to be treated like black women. That's the only way she knows to protect them and that's the only way she knows how to protect her herself and her own inner child, you know. Mm-hmm. And um and I don't think it has anything to do with the singing. I really don't.
0: Yeah. Very early in the book, you, you write something where it says, Vivian had it hard, but not impossible. And, mm. and I loved reading that, right? Because so many times, like with, with our historical texts, it, it's about showing the impossible and trying yeah. to overcome the impossible. But, but it doesn't seem like it's okay for us to just call it hard, right? Right. Right? And yeah. I think there's, you know, as I, like, continue reading books and stuff, I, I like to think I'm, like, learning the, the, the power that exists in words, right? Yeah. And I think it's so important that, you know, that was said here because it goes to show, like, possibility despite everything that was going on that's, like, yeah. really not cool, right? Um, yeah there the the possibility for success was still there right Right. and and for all to the purposes like like vivian wasn't the type person to like accept like the excuses either it was like look y'all need to be working like point blank like we we are going to make it and um you know i just thought that was just that sentence in particular like i think goes a long way um even even Despite how concise it is, it goes a long way in just explaining, I guess, maybe the philosophy that exists in on the rooftop.
2: Wow, that's I'm so glad you said that. I, I really have forgotten that line until you read it. Um, it's funny. my editor said at one point she liked that Vivian was not poor. Vivian's not poor.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: she's a nurse in San Francisco and And the thing is, like this is why I think it's not about singing. Ruth is in nursing school. Like, they're Mm -hmm. all set up to do just fine, especially for that time period. They're doing very well. But, um, you know, Mary's renting out her rooms. Everybody's okay. Nobody's ever thinking about – they're not thinking about money in a serious way. But Mm -hmm. um, my editor was like, I like that. And I I thought about that. That's true. You don't see that as – really, in my own work, I'll just speak for my own work. I feel like in the first two books – I was exploring, you know, slavery and, um, you know, mass incarceration and the war on drugs. And, you know, I think I, I it's, it's interesting because this is this feels like gentrification is a big, big, big deal and, and so tragic, obviously, and so harmful. But it does feel like it 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 was lighter for people to consume this than the other themes that I was exploring before. And mm-hmm. And I almost, it, it kind of brings me to the question I'm always asking, like, it, it does feel to me like some readers want to see the impossible in Black art more than the hard.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: it's almost, I, I do think, I do think that. I do think that. Yeah. I think that, and, but, but I think a lot of my Black readers, I've noticed, they're tired of reading the impossible. They want to mm-hmm. read the manageable. Because we we got we get it. It it was hard and we still have it hard. We get it, but we kinda wanna see more of a breadth of views, you know, presented. And I think a lot of I've I've heard a lot of blacks say like, you know, they don't wanna and you know, I've written about all of it, so I'm not judging anybody, but Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of blacks say they don't want to read another slave narrative. They don't have yeah, and and so yeah. So it's just interesting. I'm always thinking about that, like, um yeah, like what what do I want to use my voice to talk about? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There's there's a lot to be said in general just about I mean, those are those are black folks too. You yeah. know, and those black folks that like you like like Viv and Mary and and, and uh Ruth, those, those black folks did exist in those times. I mean, they, yeah. there's there's stories about how those folks go on to like Kind of be the movers and shakers of certain towns, right? Like the black yeah. bourgeoisie and et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. yeah, I'm, 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 I'm digging that. And I think um, to to give you another one of your amazing sentences, um, two types of people, uh, well, two types only, uh, people who know how to call up a desire and command it into stone, and people who don't. I can show your daughters how to be the first type. Can show you too if you'll let me. Your story is full of bars like this from everyone. But in an interview um, that would rightfully self center women, I want to center what it means for a man to say something like this to a woman like
2: this. That, oh, right? that's interesting. And,
1: yeah. Can you can you wax poetic a little bit about about that, right? Like like you said, because she's not... I mean, because it sounds a little bit like game. And it still might be a little bit of game, that's right? It's definitely game. Yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my cap of sensibilities... Won't allow me to call game out. You know, but I'm just saying, you know. my, my uh, I guess cishet man sensibilities.
0: <laughs> Speaking <laughs> uh, to the fact that that is game. And, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: But what does that? What does that do when you have this man like uh, Mr. Franklin say this to a woman like Vivian? What does that do, and what purpose does it kind of serve? Uh, yeah, in the book.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's that's a really good question. Um, you know, I think, I think on one level, I think he is in another league than she is in terms of the music mm-hmm. he is. Yeah. And, and I think that, um, I think that he logistically has access to opportunities that she doesn't even know about. She does not even know they exist because she's been doing this mm-hmm. out of her basement, you know, and, and she's been hustling and she's a serious hustler. And I do think could she do it on her own? Yeah, I do think so. But I think it would take her like 10 years longer than it would take yeah, this guy who already has these connections in place. Um, you know, what i what I like about that scene, I'm going to go back to your question in a minute, but what I like about that scene is like, at that moment, I think Vivian realizes she's not even sure that she wants it. It's like it's like what you were saying, like the that whole little the explanation. part right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm, like the explanation mm-hmm. behind what she's actually wanting and saying. Like I think in that moment she kind of even has a a like a self-awareness that maybe it wasn't about the singing after all. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like and and then she's she's actually seeing like the ramifications of this would be I would lose my daughters temporarily at least. And and so she's wrestling with that. But I think it's I mean, it's interesting. Did, you don't ever see Vivian in a position of... Every time she's in the book, I think it's a position of power. Except maybe this scene. Yeah. This is and like, she
1: even negotiates that. She has that retort where she yeah, says, yeah. you know, she's like, I just want to even the playing field. on the Right. He, kinda, <laughs> he, got, he got me slipping a little bit.
2: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Yeah. But I think it was interesting to see her... Because she and, and there was a moment in the book later on in the book, much later, where she said she actually has doubt. Mm-hmm. And it's like the first time you see this person have a vulnerable emotion. I think I think it's good to show her. I think it, it just to round out her character and to, and to have her be a credible character, I think it's good to show her. In a position where somebody is able to talk down to her, I do hate that it's a man, but but it was. And then, you know, and then when you see her have doubt later, it's like, oh, this is a human. You know, I think in a lot of ways, Vivian is just a super, even her children say she's superhuman. She really is in the 50s to have been that successful. Um, One of the few Blacks nursing at that time. And then also um, to have gotten the girls as far as she did on her own is truly incredible. It's unfathomable. But yeah. But but she's human. And, you know, you see those vulnerable moments. You see them with um, with in that scene you just referenced. You see them later when she has doubt. And I think you sometimes see them with with uh, Pastor Thomas, Preacher Thomas.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, speaking of uh, Preacher Thomas, I think he might flow into this question a little bit. Right. Um, the narrator tells us, you know, at some point in the book, speaking of Vivian, she had a feeling when it was finally over. When her cycle stopped once and for all when she didn't even expect the second glances out the car windows when the urges that she saw that she saw to some night subsided it would be a great relief but the anticipation of the loss caught her every time can you mm. speak to us about Vivian in these seemingly you know, contradictory feelings that she yeah. has towards desire and the desiring of her in some yeah. of the ways you wanted to speak to sexuality in or desire in on the rooftop
2: yeah well i love you know first i'll say i love that she's she's not an older woman she's really in her 40s or close to 50 but like um you know i love that we see her have these intimate scenes and um you don't see that often with that age group i think in general you don't see it depicted it's obviously happening but um so I love that we get to see that and and really her relationship is my favorite one and I think it almost feels deeper to me because it's so earned. They're so old. You know, I can't I can't brush it off as like puppy love with them. You know, you really get the sense that this is enduring love. Yeah. Um but I think I think Vivian has shut herself off from any of that kind of stuff. Sexuality, desire, any I think any of those emotions It's like, it's like she allowed herself to have them. It's almost like her hope, you know, for a reprieve from racism and coming to San Francisco. It's almost like all that optimism. It's like she was vulnerable enough to allow herself to have it. And I almost think she, I almost think she feels like that was, that was the problem that she expected softness in a world that was going to be hard for her, you know? And I almost think she's just shut down all those vulnerable emotions like desire and, um, and she's poured it all into this, this singing stuff. And so when the singing stuff starts to unravel, it's like it opens up a space for her to actually experience um, the more intimate feelings that she's been burying, like this, like this budding love for, for preacher Thomas.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, selfishly, I was kind of like, look, you know, everybody else Find a little something like why well, can't, mm-hmm. can't, uh-huh. can't Vivian, you know, get her hands dirty. Exactly. A little
2: bit too. Exactly. She's a young woman. I mean, you know, she had the babies early. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. yeah.
1: yeah, everybody, uh, everybody was rooting for uh sister viv to get with uh, Bridget Thomas too. I kind of like that, oh, that play too. And you know, even if she was an old woman, you know, right? She, <laughs> hey, look, hey, look I, I was gonna say if, if I gotta pick yeah. a uh, you know, Vivian
0: might end up being my fictional crush if I, you know, mm. yeah, yeah, you. You absolutely, know? Right, man, You know, that mm-hmm.
2: would make me more happy if if that were the case. If well, that, if friend. that's
0: the case, if it makes you happy, then Vivian <laughs> is so shall it be. My fictional crush from on the rooftop. I, I am, I am Vivian's man. Y'all need to step
1: away. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So if if Reggie's question allows the. This this space to continue and talk a little bit more about Pastor Thomas. I mean, because I think we need to talk more about him. You know, I know I, I noticed the good friend of the show, Disha Phil, y'all uh blurb blurbed the book. And you know, mm-hmm. Pastor Neely, Pastor Neely, he got, oh. you know, folks, Pastor Neely got folks, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. An and I think Pastor Thomas is necessary, right? And a lot okay. of a lot of times Pastor Thomas knows just what to say. But after this particular thing. From Vivian, he doesn't know what to say. I just don't know what I'm going to do with all my hope. What's going to fill it? Now it's gone. You don't understand. It turned my head. It occupied me. It welcomed me to the day. It sang me to sleep. And so Mm. Pastor Thomas, you know, doesn't necessarily uh, know what to say in response to that. I think us as readers have our opinions about what this statement means and and the response it may necessitate for us all individually. But I think even more so about the ways it sounds like a prayer thrown at the ceiling um, that is met with the type of silence we've come to uh, know as synonymous with the kind of God some of us are familiar with. Mm. Um, When you write a sentence like that, uh, one that gets left in the air like prayer, what do you think lurks in the silence for Vivian? What does it mean mm-hmm. to have a question that someone supposedly uh, chosen by God can't direct
2: yeah. like the one
1: uh, posed here? And then yeah. he talks a bit about silence later too. But what does it mean That's to true. give someone uh, this this sentence like this and think you're going to get a response and they don't even know what to do? they like, did, did Sister Patterson uh, do the offering yet? Because yeah. this is too <laughs> much for me. <laughs> what does that mean to write, to pin something like that for you in terms of that?
2: Yeah. Well, it's I don't think I I think I I know where that came that was right after Ruth decided to 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 do what she needed to do for herself. Mm-hmm. Um and I think I think it was just un- inconceivable to Vivian before that that that, that was even a possibility. Mm-hmm. Which I love about the the fact that we have the um the different POVs because the reader sees it before Vivian does. Um, but I think, I think that's the question of the, I actually think that's the question of the novel. Like, that's the, that's the question the novel is asking. What, what am I going to do with all my hope? And I think that's about the singing. And I think that's about moving to San Francisco. And I think that's about being a black woman. I think that's about gentrification. What am I going to do with all my hope? And I I don't know that we ever get that answer.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, that's it's I, I love that. You know, I love that about that. Um that, it, that that scene kind of worked out that way. And I don't know if we ever get an answer, period, like you said, <laughs> about yeah. all of it. What am I gonna do with all my hope? And thank goodness it's the hope of a black woman, because Lord knows I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if, <laughs> if if we are producing that type of hope. Um, you know, and that might be why Pastor Thomas is silent. Mm. You know, you know, here's this yeah. guy who's supposed to be a hope. Uh, hope pump right, right? like you right. know and and that should have been a scripture just awaiting you know yes. uh, what is it i look to the i think it's like i look to the hills, uh and i say one when, from whence cometh my help all right my help coming from the lord etc cetera, et cetera. that's what happens when you read the bible twice you're just full of random scriptures but i think he should have I been filled that. with one too right, right?
2: and yeah, and yeah. none came and yeah and it, and and even at the end, it's like you get a sense. You do get a sense. I think you get a sense that they're going to be okay. But but what do they do with the hope? It, you know, like that's the one thing that doesn't get relocated. Word word.
0: word. I mean, it, it's it's just such a deep question. Like you know, not not only for the characters to reckon with, but even like a reader, like. Yeah. That that was definitely one of those lines where I was like, Damn, what am I gonna do with my hope? Like, yeah, me, right? asking, what, what am I gonna do with my hope? i am wondering
2: know? the same, the author is wondering the same, uh,
0: <laughs> and, and that's just you know, I, I just love those sentences that just kind of make you like, you know, as you as, as one would say, like, close the book. I don't think I actually mm-hmm. closed the book, but I definitely kind of sat there and just kind of looked up in blank space, like, Oh, shit, what am I gonna do? Oh, uh-huh. so, yeah, and um. You know, unfortunately, we got to get to these these closing questions, you know, but they, they're easy. You know, they're fun. Right. Um, But but the first question we ask when we close in is uh, about your dedication, which, you know, to Thomas for everything. Can you talk to us about Thomas and, and share why you decided to dedicate on the rooftop to him?
2: Yeah, well, he's my husband. Um, He um so my first book I dedicated to my mom because my mom is also a writer. She, I don't know if you remember like um, Urban Fiction, is that what they called it? You're, you know what I'm talking oh, about, like Zane. Yeah, and
0: yeah, you remember? Yeah, they, yeah, they yeah
2: so my mom used to write those books. She self published like four of those books and she was like really on that tip. She would like sell them out of her car. Like she was really on that tip. And, um, and you know, she ended up, it, it didn't end up being sustainable and she does other stuff now but my mom is the reason i have creativity like she really that's the i got that gene from her she just sits she like i told you she gave me the idea for this book she just comes Mm -hmm. up with ideas all the time she had a new idea the other week she was like she thinks i should write a book um i think this is a brilliant idea and and maybe i won't say it but um but anyway so she um so i thought i wanted to honor her in that way because i felt Mm -hmm. like this is another example of like in another generation, she would have had the capacity to do that probably in a later generation. And so I wanted to honor her. My dad died um, before the Revisioners came out, like about a year before it came out. And so, and the Revisioners, you know, is all about the ancestors. So I wanted to honor him with that for sure. And I've just been waiting for the time to honor. I felt like I had not gotten around to my husband, who's really been here since. Um, you know, I used to be a lawyer. I left my job. I definitely like leaned on my husband in many ways during that whole process when I was writing for five years with nothing to show for it. Um, He would always, he, he just always have faith that it would work out. And, um, Mm -hmm. and that's really what I'm honoring with that dedication is, is really everything. It's everything that he's done, but that's what I really, I think that's what means the most to me as a writer is that, you know, um, at in the times when I wanted to quit, he would remind me that it was gonna work out, and i and I might have quit otherwise, you know, so that was really nice and um, yeah, and you know, actually, I have to tell you, it's a coincidence that the preacher's name is Thomas.
1: I was I just thinking it, that it wasn't yeah.
2: conscious mm. yeah it, it,
1: Thomas it, on the brain, that's all yeah.
2: I guess so <laughs> and, 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 <laughs>
0: speaking of happy coincidence, I'm glad you said this, right? The one that stood out to me stuck out like a sore thumb Uh is the fact that chloe's best friend if you will is named tony so of course i thought of chloe wolford aka tony morris yeah i didn't think
2: i didn't think about that (laughs) i don't know why his name is tony i just i just wrote it and that was his name and i never looked back and i don't i'm with like with he's not a minor character he ended up becoming a bigger character but in the beginning he was just a minor character and it 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 felt like it fit, and I didn't need I didn't feel like I needed to think about it anymore.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, But I didn't.
2: Was... I love that. I love that. Yeah, that would have been better. <laughs>
0: cool, no, that cool. was that was <laughs> very dope. And um, you know, this is fitting for this book. What's uh, some good music you've been listening to and enjoying lately?
2: Yeah, I I don't I'm not well. Okay, this there's this one song that I've been listening to on repeat actually. But okay. you know I'm kind of old. I call myself an auntie now, oh. um, mm. and so I'm gonna have to look. Hold on, it's called oh. magic.
0: No worries. Mm. Is it blue? Huh. Is
2: it blue? No, let is me it, check.
0: Is it Bruno Mars? The 24- no, no. Oh, okay.
2: Hold on, it'll come right up. Blue. What's the
1: name? not you got
0: blue? 24 karat magic in the air?
2: Oh, yeah, okay. Bruno, Bruno does. Has, but- it's been staples.
0: Oh, this table. Have you oh, heard it? Yeah.
2: Okay, Vince. I love that song. I've been listening Vince to that song for like for the last two weeks on repeat. Um, but otherwise, I I honestly listen to gospel music in my car or um I listen to um my kids are on my daughter's on Taylor Swift, so Swift. Yeah. Swift, and, you know, I have to say it's catchy. It it's is. Catchy. You up. I find myself singing along. <laughs> Uh, i'll leave it at that With, yeah <laughs> okay.
0: no no worries and i hey and i relate to you too because i'm i'm especially like nowadays i'm definitely more of oh i've been listening to this song more so than listening to like complete projects right I mean, that's a topic for a, another episode but that's exactly like, yeah.
2: right i don't know why that is though i just feel like i don't have the attention is it the attention span or are the are the albums just not as uh, good all the way Mm, you
0: know what? I'm gonna be nice to people. Okay. I'ma say it ain't the attention span. That's what I'm gonna say. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah
1: the yeah. albums ain't good. I'ma say it. You know, I love them. <laughs> them albums ain't good. And we need to stop pretending they are. You know, they ain't good. I don't know. <laughs> but uh TV
0: and or film that you've been looking at and enjoying, if you've had the capacity, they you say you're very busy.
2: Yeah, I want to see The Woman King. I haven't gotten around to see that yet. But the last mm. TV show that I liked that I really really liked um was or that I watched that I really really liked was called Severance. Have you seen that?
1: I've well, heard about Severance. Yeah. So, it's, uh, yeah, I've heard about so
2: it. Oh, good. It's it's like deep. It's thrilling. Um I watched that in April, I think. And I haven't been able to find anything since then that I like as much. That's like my new standard. Mm. mm. Mhm. Mm. It's tricky. I if you have any, do you have recommendations actually? Cause I'm looking for a show.
0: So what would I recommend? I'm gonna recommend so this is a classic. If you've if you mm. haven't seen this, I'm gonna recommend it. Um
2: 227. Oh, I love two two seven. Are you watching two two seven?
0: So I'm I'm like I'm kinda of stealing this one for my girlfriend.
2: Yeah. She has
0: seen the first four seasons in satire, she's on the last one now. But when I watch yeah. it with her,
2: it's been very good. Yeah, had Two you seven. watched it as a kid?
0: I hadn't. I okay. hadn't. So yeah, 227. Yeah, that's what I saw, it. So, yeah, yeah kind of the bag for me. I'm, I'm born in 90. I know this probably ain't a good enough excuse. Oh, but I'm born in no 1990. Wonder. So I didn't <laughs> learn about 227. I learned about it as a teenager, like seeing, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it was Nick at Night. But, you know, one of those late night channels and all that. Uh-huh. You know, I, I would see 227 around the time I seen the Jeffersons and yes. Good Times and all that. Yeah. Um. So, but I never watched it, right? But as yeah. I got older, you know, Kathia, who's my girlfriend, she's watching it, and I'm like, oh, this is good. They got some really good episodes.
2: Yeah, so, I believe it. I haven't seen it since I was a little girl. Yeah. But I, I mean, that was one of the shows that it was that one. Do you remember the show? Amen.
0: With, I do um,
2: know about it. Yes,
1: really? I yeah, do know about Amen
2: with, with um, Sherman Hemsley and um, and he was was he the preacher? No, it was it was the younger oh. man. Who was the preacher. <laughs> And it was Raleigh, the older black guy, Raleigh. Yes. Yeah. So I used that I that two two. I feel like two two seven, amen, like you said, good times. Um, oh, the Jeffersons, you said that. I feel like those were all in the same. And and I watched them as kid, as a kid.
0: And then like Stanford and Son and What's Happening. Oh, I love that show.
2: Yeah. I forgot about that one too.
0: And then something more modern day, since you like Severance. If yeah. you haven't seen Succession yet, I, I, I could, would recommend Succession oh, on HBO.
2: You're right. I do need to watch that. Everybody keeps telling me that. That's what I'll do. Okay, that's brilliant. Yeah, that's exactly what exactly. I'll
0: do. It is, yeah. And it's, I'm. I'm only, admittedly I'm one season in, but I can already see like, because it's winning, like, hella Emmys.
2: Okay, right? gotcha. And I can yeah. see,
0: like, where it's coming from, you know?
2: Whoa, okay. Yeah. I'm definitely going to do that. I've heard about it forever, and I don't know why. I think at the time when I was hearing about it, I wasn't watching TV. But now I'm, I am I do need to watch a little TV to zone out. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, yeah.
0: now we get into, like, the bookish closers. But I'm going to kind of cheat here yeah. and include some of the book, right? Because I noticed there's there's a section that spoke oh, to... Yeah my co-host in particular, right? And I'm curious Uh if this speaks to you as well, because when speaking of Esther, who worked at Horse Daddy's Bookshop, right? Uh (laughs) The narrator tells us she was the one who reads books straight through, not once, but twice, because they became like family to her. So I'm wondering, Margaret, is Uh that autobiographical by chance? Did you insert a little of yourself in this? Do you read the books twice through as well?
2: not really i wish i did because you know i i know ksa says you don't read a book until you read it twice and i believe that i really do but i i just feel like i don't watch movies twice either i just feel like when Mm. i'm well let me say this when i'm teaching a book i do read it like three times Mm.
1: so that's true
2: when i'm teaching it i do read it like three times but if i'm just reading it for fun no, I don't. I, there was one book recently that I almost read twice because it had that much of an impact on me. And it was The Vanishing Half. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, and I almost read it again. I really did. I had I was like starting it. And then I was like, mm, because I have so many. I wish you could see how many books are surrounding me in this room. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like I'm never going to get through them. And, you know, and so I feel like I need to move on.
1: Yeah. <sighs> okay.
0: No, that that's more than fair. I just... I was wondering. I was like, okay, this is unique. This is this is greatly placed. Yeah, maybe it's specific. Uh-huh. So, uh,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. No,
0: thank you for answering that. And uh, speaking of books being around you, uh, yeah. what's the book you've been reading and enjoying lately?
2: Yeah, let me look. I have. I put the pile here. Well, okay, so I haven't started this book yet, but I'm really excited for Best of Friends.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, I, by, Camila Chamcy. Uh, yeah. Yeah,
2: and then this one, I'm also. Really excited about yes. Joel and uh, Other revolutions. Yeah. Haven't started that, but excited about that. Um, is there anything that I've just read that I would that I would say? Oh, have you read this, Reggie and Acquily? Have you read Parish? You probably have read that. Not yet. No. Not okay. Yet. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm interested in this too. I just got this. I've been seeing it. Yeah. I've
1: seen yeah. It. Yeah.
2: And um, um, I am reading Bliss Montage, the Ling Ma stories. I'm yeah. reading that, and then I actually. have to tell you i just read this arc that i'm obsessed with i actually haven't finished it but i'm obsessed with it night wherever we go this this is the same publisher her Mm. name is tracy rose payton um it's it's unlike anything i've ever read you Mm. know what it sort of reminds me of it sort of reminds me of the prophets that's Mm. what i would say it's kind of yeah certainly on that level Yeah.
0: No, yeah. not, and I and I made sure to open up a tab that I will not be closing because I gotta make sure I add that on list.
2: Yeah, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know when it's out. It's I'm sure it's out next year, but um but yeah, it is outstanding. Nice, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay, yeah, I'm really impressed with that book.
0: And who is the author whose work you've read the most?
2: Toni Morrison. <sighs> Music. Yeah, what does everybody say that though? I feel so cliche when I say that, <laughs> but it's true. That's the and that's the accurate answer. I have read her books the most, if, and probably after that is Tayari Jones. I have, I just, I just like her work. It just resonates with me. I have read her books, like you know. Okay, speaking of reading something more than once, I've read Silver Sparrow twice or three times, and I've read Leaving Atlanta twice or three times.
0: Nice. Yeah, and, yeah. and 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 by the way, th- that's kind of like a newer question. So we, we oh. have to collect more data, right? But yeah. if everyone said Toni Morrison, you know what? That's just fine. You're right. Cause
2: Cause she the is all- the queen. You're right. Yeah. It so, should like, be, that should be everybody's answer.
0: If someone doesn't say it, I'm going to be like, excuse me? Right. Um, I think we got this one wrong.
2: <laughs> uh-huh.
0: <laughs> you know? So, yeah. No, that's, that's dope. Um, an author whose work you wish was read, discussed in, or taught more.
2: Oh, that's a really good question. Um well I'm thinking, do you guys know Tanana Reeve do? I never know if I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Yes. Okay. Yes. The, the, I,
0: horror, the horror writer, yes. Yeah. Oh, I love her
2: work. Yes. And I like horror and I like spec fic. And to me, she's up there with Octavia Butler. Yeah. And I don't I don't wanna say she's um I, I cause I think a lot of people in that who who respect that genre definitely know about this lady. I don't I don't mm-hmm. want to say she's not known enough, but um, but I think like I said, I think she's up there with Octavia Butler. So yeah. Nice.
0: Okay. And mm-hmm. now this one's a little bit different, but similar. A book you wish were read, discussed in, or taught more? Oh,
2: that's a good question. Huh. That's a really good question.
0: Because cause I know, like, if I had to answer that, right? An uh-huh. author whose work that I wish was read, discussed in, or taught more, right, might be someone, I'm, I'm not even saying this because you're here, right? I would oh, maybe I say you, right? Uh-huh. But then a book, I might say, is like A Lucky Man by Jamel Brinkley.
2: Oh, right? yeah.
0: Because I think it's different when you say someone's, like, body of work versus maybe, like, a single yeah. book. Maybe someone only put out one book.
2: That's that makes a lot of sense. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And I do, I do love his work. Um and he just seems like a really nice human.
0: Right. Yeah. Right,
2: um, there's there's this book into the ghost slow that I'm obsessed with. Mm. And I think I think she pronounces her name Bridget Davis. Um, it's like Bridget M. Davis. And I think it's Bridget as opposed to Bridget, not positive of that, but she- she
0: it's, she she also wrote um the 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 memoir recently yes right? um exactly. about her mom fanny davis exactly yes. okay
2: you know who else if i had to add another author to the to the last question is martha southgate
0: ah uh, yes Martha. i southgate. love martha southgate mm, like mm.
2: three of her books i was i remember reading them years ago and just being obsessed like this is oh this i was i remember thinking like oh this is the genre I want to go into like it's accessible it's readable but it's also really deep and insightful and literary you know and it's all black mm-hmm. characters but it's not like it's not like trauma porn you know it's I thought that yeah was, yeah and that's how I feel about into the ghost low it's like real it's like this this woman is um is um looking for her sister who gets who got kidnapped or something in Nigeria or who just disappeared in Nigeria and she's in the U- she's a she's a black woman in the U.S. And she goes and looks for her sister. It's like, you know, like, who's writing that kind of stuff? It's so nuanced, right, as a Mm storyline. And it was just, it's contemporary, um, really deep, really touching on a lot of, um, you know, real issues, but also a really compelling story.
1: Tell us who you would like to see as a guest on Books Are Pop Culture. But this person has to be someone who you would be willing to help us connect with in the event. That we may need some help getting connected.
2: Oh, that's a really good question. You have had—I feel like you've had everybody on here. You've had quite a few people on here, and and you do—it's do you do black authors only or all?
0: Oh, we we you do we everybody. Speak everybody, yeah, yeah. We
2: only
1: we only don't talk to white people. That's it. I'm just kidding.
2: Uh-huh. I kid. I kid. I kid. <laughs> Other than that. Um... <laughs> Who would I want? Well, I think. Have you already had Nafisa?
0: No, we have not had Nafisa on.
2: She's hilarious. I think she would. I think you guys would have a lot of fun with her.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. Nah, yeah. yeah. Head, heads of the color people. Yeah, I need no. to read that. Yeah. yeah. I need to read
2: that. It, yeah, you I'm would love it that. That is one of my favorite books. It's definitely up, like probably the favorite short story collection. I. I mean, maybe that's not quite, but but one of the top three yeah so good and um yeah i'm only thinking the other one i can think of that i would say is top top up there is my favorite it would probably be crick crack or something it's really it's amazing it's like genre defying it's like um yeah i could see why that book was such a it felt like that book was a movement when it came Mm -hmm. out and i and and i that's another book i've read a couple times because i taught it and um it, it was just I once I read all the stories, I was like, oh, yeah, no, this was this this needed to be talked about the way it was.
1: Yeah.
0: No, it, it is an amazing collection in 2018. Was yeah. Just full of them. Heads of that's color right. people. Lucky Man, Friday Black. That's right. Uh, oh, Friday Black. That's hell? right. Yeah. That was like mm-hmm. that was like short story luxury. And we're in a good moment with short stories You're now. Right. But, you know, let me you know what? Sorry, because i it's go too on on about gone too late. You've yeah. <laughs> gone too far, yeah, right. But, um, Margaret, you know, tell us what you are able to, of course, about what's next for you, and you know, how can people like follow your journey online, maybe like social media, website, yeah, like
2: yeah. Um, well, I'm working on a book now. That's not true, I'm not working on it, I'm thinking about it, I'm not really working mm-hmm. on it, um, and This would follow a woman born in the 40s in New Orleans, and she's going to somehow come to be raised in a convent, a black convent. And I'm not quite sure how she's going to get there. One of the parents is going to die, and one of them is just going to be unable, but I'm not sure what the details are. And she's going to stay in this convent. We'll see her there through her 20s, and then she's going to move to the Bay Area to join the Black Panther Party in the 70s. And then, I'm sorry, when, when that happens. And, um, and then, <laughs> and then she's going to somehow be like, I, I, this is where I'm like, this is where I'm unclear, like, is she going to be a, a, a spiritual leader of some sort? Like, I see her like at the helm of this church. And I'm not mm-hmm. exactly sure what. Um, I, I I don't know what her journey is going to be there, but it's going to be it's going to somehow tie into her early time at this convent. It's going to be a very mystical book, not quite like the Revisioners, but you know it's going to be mystical. And um, yeah, and this this will be the first time that I'll stay with one character the entire time. I won't do different POVs. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm excited already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. 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 And um yeah, and, and how can people, you know, if they want to oh like, right oh, you on Facebook
2: media. Margaret Wilkerson Sexton and um at, I'm M Wilkerson 13 on Insta and Twitter.
0: Go get your copy of On the Rooftop. You can get it from this place that we prefer, of course, which is bookshop.org shop slash books or pop culture. Um, thank you again Margaret we really appreciate your time
2: it was my pleasure I had so uh, much fun thank you for having me this uh, is like the most fun interview ever
0: thank you yes yes that's what we <laughs> thank you thank was. you and really uh, for, for, for Margaret Wilkerson Sexton and Achille Missouri, I'm Reggie Bailey this has been another edition of Books of Pop Culture take care